I'm Gary Gannon. This is Guildcast, episode number two for December 22nd, 2011. Today, Mesmer interviews are still coming in. More details emerge. What is the meaning of the closed beta system? Also, we've got some achievements, changes to the thief class, and combat mechanics. All that, of course, your viewer questions. But first, community manager from Massively.com, it's Ruby Bear. How are you, Ruby? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Look at you and all your HD glory. New camera? Ooh, ah. It's <laughs> all very exciting. <laughs> and filling in for Mr. Sean Schuster this week. My beard is not as epic, but I'm trying. Uh, Zam.com's BFF Report. Game Breakers Legendary. This week in MMO, 8,000 other shows you probably watch. Mike B, aka Phone, was, how are you? Was that my tagline? It's like, Mr. My beard is not quite as awesome as... as is Sean's, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Oh, like the Chinhawk. <laughs> no, admittedly, that that thing is insane. And like he's he he write he writes that thin line of it's it's not a neck beard. No, it's, it's all right here. Yeah. it doesn't even touch the neck. It's just like raw. It's right there. <laughs> awesome. Love that thing. Ah, the power of the beard. All right. First up, uh, more interviews coming in. ArenaNet uh, threw out a ton last week, but they weren't done just yet. No, no, no. Two more popped up this week on Massively and MMORPG.com. Designer Eric Flanham talked to Massively about developing the Mesmer, which we talked a lot about last week for Guild Wars. Some interesting tidbits in here. He had this to say. He said, uh, I think that Mesmer was a bit more difficult to develop than the other professions. For example, when, when we're developing the Warrior, we end up referencing the Warrior archetype as it appears in other media. Fans are also exposed to all of these things, and so their expectations and definition of what a warrior is tends to be pretty broad. Uh, he then says, for the Mesmer, we're talking about much a much more specific archetype that was developed for the first Guild Wars. There are obviously fewer influences to draw from when developing such a profession. So Ruby, first of all, I mean the, the Mesmer sounds, you know, it's it's a unique class, obviously, to Guild mm-hmm. Wars. Um, but I've heard people draw comparisons to other MMOs and other games and such things as, say, like maybe like an Illusionist or something. What what are the similarities for some of some people out there who may not be following Guild Wars to to the Mesmer? I don't know. I think there's no such thing as a new idea. So the Mesmer, I I just don't think it's possible for the Mesmer to be completely and totally unique. But it is iconic to the Guild Wars IP. Um, And there are illusionists, and I mean, there are classes that mess with your head. Even in Wildstar, I don't know if either of you have played the Wildstar demo, but there was a character that, you know, relied on a lot of mental, a lot of mental abilities to take down her opponents. Um... Honestly, I can't put my finger on like one particular ability and say this right here is what makes the Mesmer unique. It's an overall feel as far as Guild Wars goes 
and Guild Wars 2, especially since they've so much more clearly defined the Mesmer for Guild Wars 2. Um, I just feel like she's, she or he, I'm sorry, um, has really just grown into that role that Guild Wars 2 intended. So do you really actually so you really can't compare the Mesmer to, to, to an illusionist or another another class in an MMO? You really think they stand, is, are, there, are there just not many similarities where they actually are so unique that they really do stand out? I don't feel like you can. I mean, well, especially now that we've got like the clones and phantasms, I'm not personally, I can't think off the top of my head, is there something that, is there another class in another game that does something similar to that? Yeah. Mages there... have something called like mirror images or something in, uh, in WoW. Thank you. I yeah, was like, as soon as I say that, I know there's something similar to where they, they release kind of like a shade of themselves that kind of walks forward and it's very distracting. What, uh, but what this looks distract? a little bit different because these things explode. Uh, it's, that, that doesn't happen in any other game. I'm going to make copies of myself, and they're, by the way, they're all sappers. <laughs> How cool is that? It is. You know, it's funny. Looking at these classes that, don't, that aren't uh, specifically defined by what, the, um, what people are used to. Like when he says the warrior, there's, there's warriors everywhere. There's warriors, there's champions, there's uh, vanguards, whatever. whatever. They come in different forms and shapes and whatever. Um, but this is the first class that I've seen where they... They are pulling. I understand the illusionist thing, right? Uh -huh. Probably EverQuest too, right? There's not like illusionist anywhere else. Um, <laughs> there probably is somewhere. A support, well, it's okay. support class, right? Where it, it's generally designed to kind of support everybody, and it does cool things that can, can benefit the group uh, versus just being, you know, uh, a PvP, a PVE hero going off and doing his own thing. Um, but also the way that they, which I think we're going to talk about in a second, is the way that they equip weapons and how that affects how they actually play. So maybe we'll go there first, and then we'll come back to it. Well, that's the thing. We, and we talk a lot about it, you know, about how they're they're trying to do away with the Holy Trinity and, and have characters, like, you know, not, not have to roll, be in specific roles. But I guess if I'm trying to, I'm trying to draw some similarities out of here, Ruby, about the Mesmer class, what type of, what type of person personality wise do you think would really enjoy the mesmer is it is it somebody who normally plays kind of like support with some C, with cc and stuff or i don't think it's a matter of support versus any other particular class role i think this is going to appeal to the person that wants to really get in there and spend some time learning the class and spend some time figuring out all of the little intricacies because the mesmer i don't think i mean even in guild wars one the mesmer is not a class where you can just jump in and start slinging fireballs or you know wailing on something with an axe or a hammer it is I, it is the most complicated class. Actually, okay, that, and that's actually said, that, that's something that's good that I was getting okay. at. So, so it's a very complicated class. Which so then it's it's I won't, I won't say it has to be for the veteran, but it's definitely not. It's not. It's not. It's not a class that somebody may just pick up first time around and and really really get it. It's for it's for more of the granular player who really wants to be sort of doing multiple things and uh, sort of coordinating their gameplay a bit more and having to sort of maybe worry about multiple aspects of their gameplay style rather than a warrior who's usually like, I tank, I hit things with my sword, uh -huh. and I take damage. <laughs> right? Definitely. This is for the patient person. And actually, ArenaNet said a while back that they were releasing these classes in order of, like, the least complicated to the most complicated. And so make of that what you <laughs> want. They, release, and they released my Elementalist first. 
I guess I'm that player that just jumps in and starts slinging fireballs. But it is for you the will. patient player that's going to be willing to take time and figure out how this works and how she can be used most to her potential. Because it's not, you can't see all of it right away. It's not something that's just going to fall into place for you. It develops over time. Okay, Eric also had this to say. He said, um... Another aspect of the Mesmer is that we were never able to fully develop, uh, we were never able to develop was the duelist aspect. If you remember, the classic Guild Wars Mesmer uh, was often pictured with a sword, but there were very few skills that actually supported this style of play. In Guild Wars 2, we base half of the player's skill bar on which weapons he's wielding, so we had a fantastic opportunity to allow the Mesmer to support a more melee-centric style of play. So... A, cl a class that's built to be a combination of magic and melee. How do you, how, how's this actually going to work? Did you, did you, you didn't get any hands on time with the Mesmer at all, right? No, darn it. I haven't. But, again, this is going to work very badly for the person that just jumps in and is like, oh, I'm a, I'm a caster with a sword and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to play melee and you're going to die. And it's going to happen <laughs> fast. <laughs> but... This class is so incredibly versatile, and I don't want to say completely intricate. It is so intricate that this combination of magic and melee is going to be devastating in the hands of the person that takes the time to learn it well. Now, Mike, you're right. Because you're you're oh, go ahead, Mike. Because uh, you, you have players, and going back to the whole like this is like a very complicated class. It's probably because we don't see a class like this anywhere. Without at the season. MMO gamer can say, okay, this feels like a little bit of this and a little bit of this, so I just need to kind of watch how I play. Whereas the the uh, the person who's new to the genre will just jump in there and just start doing all of one thing, you know, all of, uh, all of range casting or all of melee, you know, a battle mage, you know, it's like this. Yeah. People will understand it. The more seasoned gamer will be able to understand it because they're 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 able to pull from all these different characters that they play before and merge it into one. Mm -hmm. Um. Now, as far as like the melee is concerned, I'm curious to see like going forward uh, how mitigation is going to work because if they intend on this caster, which for the most part pure casters are always the the ranged light cloth wear you know wearing uh, uh, classes, whereas you know the ones who are all up in your face are you know leather to like heavy. Uh, I'm wondering how mitigation works, not necessarily what they're going to be wearing or what type of armor, but how mitigation system works if they intend on these guys to be. 50% range and 50% in somebody's face. I'm actually very curious about that myself. I mean, if you get in there, if this is a class where you get in there in melee range and somebody takes a swing at you with an axe and you're done, it's not going to go well. So I don't, I mean, I'm sure the Mesmer skills, Wonder... I need to get my hands on the Mesmer so badly. <laughs> could, it, could, it, could it possibly be a combination of armor and uh, spells? So more bubbles, more shields, more defense for close-up close up melee combat. You're going to be popping more bubbles and things like that. Uh, and maybe you've got like some decent armor. I don't know. Um, no. Ruby, what do you, th do you think this is like, is this again more of ArenaNet's effort to, to sort of move away from the rigidly defined class roles that they've been so vocal about? I definitely think so. I'm looking at the Mesmer and I may just completely be talking out of the side of my face here, but it seems to me like the epitome of what they're trying to do. I mean, this is the best example of what they're trying to do because the Mesmer doesn't seem to have a clearly defined role. I don't think it doesn't matter how hard you try to stuff her in a particular role. I don't think she's going to fit in one. I think she's more versatile than that. And, and it's not and like it's so complicated that, it, I mean, it's not like it's 
nobody's going to be able to understand this, but there's a lot more depth here. And you know, I'm looking at chat, and a lot of people are bringing up the um, the ability for it to clone itself. Which, uh, if that's its only way, that and like dodging, which anybody could do, uh, it it mitigates damage in the in the melee range. Uh, that's gimmicky. So I'm pretty sure they just showed that because they wanted to show some of the cool stuff that it could do. But there's no way that we're going into this. And oh, all it could do is just pop clones of itself, which most of the time you could tell which one's the real one in pretty much every game that has that ability. Um, and dodging. That's like that's gimmicky. There's gotta be more to it. There's gotta be some uh, kind of utility, some kind of something like that. I agree usually, but you can you can tell, but I don't know from some of these uh, statements coming up here really soon. Uh I'm not so sure you can tell which one is the real one. I, I was know. just thinking the same thing. <laughs> not so sure they're going that route. Uh so Jonathan Sharp talked to MMRPG.com also, and he talked a little bit more specifically about some gameplay details. Uh he said this about PvP. He said today. In a PvP match, I was able to overhear my opponents as they thought they had figured out which Mesmer was me. Little did they know, I had already used a torch skill called the Prestige to go invisible for a short time. While invisible, I jumped into a portal which allowed me to head to another fight. My (laughs) opponents killed the clone and I had a huge smirk on my face. The Mesmer doesn't just control uh, control opponents in a literal sense. They also allow players to control opponents' perceptions. I don't know. From that statement, Mike, I'm, I, I, obviously he's playing with guys in the office. He can hear them talking, right? He's over here in mm-hmm. the cubicle. They work there. They can't tell who he is. Okay. I love it. I love it so much. Mike doesn't believe it. No, remember we had this conversation about the, the two deaths? Remember that? Two deaths. Two deaths. And remember what you said? You said, oh, they they couldn't have just been letting you do all that just because it was a precedent or whatever, whatever. Um, maybe it applies here. But it's it's still somebody who, I mean, from a PvP perspective, there I doubt there's some uh, AI component that's going to have the same movement and feel of somebody who is, who is uh, an actual player. When you cast these clones, are you going to just stand there and continue to melee or can stand there and continue to cast spells? Or are you going to run? A lot of times if you're using this defensively, you're going to pop it and you're going to run. You're not going to stand there and just hope that he whack-a-moles the wrong one, right? <laughs> That's a very good pop point. pop it and run. That is and a so, very good this, point. This, this is the part where it's, it plays into the whole, you know, it, it, is he playing with people who maybe, uh, not, not, not that are letting him win or anything, but maybe they just didn't catch it, which is fine. Are, are, they, are they seasoned people who have worked with other players, other player abilities that ha- that can clone, pop shades, uh, the Hollow Duke from Duke Nukem, right? I mean, these things have always existed, and I, they've always been uh, able to. Dis- people have been able to discern them from the actual player. I mean, it w- I mean, yes, a good player will probably be able to point these things out, but there, we don't necessarily know if they don't have some pretty good AI built into the. Uh, the, the 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 clones right we don't know if they actually maybe they do actually run around and and you know they're casting abilities they're running around they're moving if you have two or three of them i mean i don't know how many of these things you can pop on the screen at the same time but if you have multiple yeah. of these going it's kind of chaotic and there's a lot of stuff going on it would be pretty hard to determine really good no, players no, for yeah. sure i'm sure it could but i don't think it, it sounds like it, it could possibly be hard to determine right which would be great i'm just saying i hope that it's like that <laughs> I, I, I hope that it's like it's so difficult to tell them apart. Like their health is exactly the same as as the actual caster themselves, because that's a big problem. Wow, they they pop mirror images. They all have like 80k health. It's like yeah, I'm not gonna target that guy. It's, so it's it's. I hope that they overcome all those obstacles because that would make it useful. You don't want to get to the point to where 
players are like, uh, I can't, I, I don't like PvPing on Mesmer because now everybody's figured out how to tell me apart from my clone. I feel like they probably figured that out. I don't know why. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I feel like that would just be such an obvious thing. If if it's if you play this class, which is one of the, sounds like one of the most intricate classes out there. You know, and you're just like, you know, popping off, you know, uh, firing off clones left and right. But you can pretty much tell exactly who's the clone and who's not. I mean, that would just completely ruin the class, I think, for most players. But now on the flip side of it, if you think about if they do this right, the PvP potential here is absolutely out of control. I mean, think about this, Mike. You're a huge PvP guy. I mean, imagine like a PvP match with, you know, half a dozen Mesmers running around, firing off clones left and right, (laughs) popping in and out of portals. I mean, it, it could really cause such mass confusion on the battlefield. Uh, could be massive, awesome. No, it, no, it, it definitely could be. And it, you know, people are saying, "Oh, the health's gonna be the same." But like, I don't think people understand the the mechanic behind it. If I hit you and you're down to fifty percent health, and you pop mirror images, and they're all at full health, that's that, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's little things. It's little things that you pay attention to that that will allow you to pick up and tell these things apart. I hope that they can do this. And, and make it believable where every time I go in there, I'm swinging at a fake because that is awesome. And this, I turn around, this guy is over here uh, picking up an objective or, or fighting other players while I'm standing here like an idiot, like beating up on a dummy. I hope it works that way because that would be awesome. And Ruben, we don't, we don't have any more clarification on this at all, how PvP would work, right? Oh, you're muted. Uh, you're hearing a lot of the community like, oh, it's going to work this way and this, this, and this is going to happen, but... We don't know. I mean, it's pure speculation right now. I mean, I'm listening to Mike, and I'm like, okay, so what if you are at half health, you bust out your self-heal, jump back up to full health, pop two clones, and all three of you run off in different directions? Then what? I mean, that's the kind of thing I want to see happen. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think ArenaNet can do it. I think they can pull it off. And two, there's the difference. I mean, we, we're saying clones. The clones are the more, they're not as intricate, and they're not as healthy and they're not as complicated um, as the phantasms. The phantasms are like the really good ones. Those are the ones that have their own skills and they've got, Actually, explain explain it because for for some of those out there, like I said, I said this last week, we're going to go over a lot of things. A lot of the Guild Wars 2 community already knows this stuff, but I think we have a lot of new people watching the show. We definitely have a lot of new people watching the show. Thank you for last week. Um, And they're just new to Guild Wars and they maybe haven't played Guild Wars 1 and they don't understand this. How, How are the phantasms actually different? Give me a little like a background. What is the big difference here? Well, the clones, and I'm picturing, again, I just, and this applies to me, I just said the community doesn't know, it's speculation. The clones I'm picturing like the Guild Wars 1 Evan Vanguard Assassin, which is just this mindless thing you throw out there and it runs at the target and it just starts wailing away until it's dead. Um, It's not as strong. The Phantasms have their own skills. I mean, they've got got more going on. I feel like they're going to have better AI. And that's, the Phantasms, I think, are what's going to confuse people. I hope. Fingers crossed. So the clones are going to be more like pets. Phantasms hopefully will have a bit more AI built in them where you can maybe like define roles and things like that and sort of say, hey, you know, you're DPS or something and it has different abilities to fire off and do things like that. Maybe you have a bit more control over it. But the clones are a bit more like, does my cat run in and, and go after them? But it's a clone. That's kind of my, maybe a little bit better than that. I'm picturing the clones being the things that I fire off with the intent of using shatter illusions to blow them up and create a secondary effect. All right, well, next up here, you talked a little bit more about phantasms, uh, and he said, all of the phantasms have a specific role. While clones will mimic the mesmer, phantasms always perform their specific skills. 
For instance, when backfire is summoned, this phantasm will only attack an opponent if it uses a skill. Tell me about backfire. Backfire is from Guild Wars 1, right? Backfire is from Guild Wars 1, and it's basically it's a hex that you apply to your opponent, and when they try to attack you, it hurts. It's, I mean, it backfires is what it does. But this is so much cooler to me because if you've got a hex on you in Guild Wars 1, you just bust out a hex removal and bam, you're done. Backfire's gone. This is, you can't use a hex removal. I mean, this isn't just condition, application, and removal. This is so much more. It's sort of another example of how they're sort of taking the Mesmer class and changing it from Guild Wars 2 to kind of undefine, undefine those roles almost. Yeah, definitely. What do you think about this, Mike? What do you think about these, these changes? I mean, this is, some of these changes are quite different from other standard MMO that we've been used to. Yeah, I mean, when he goes on to say uh, all the phantasms have a specific role, it's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, you're, you're assigning specific, uh, like a task list, essentially, and guidelines to these phantasms, which I think is, that alone is cool. It's like having, it's like having a pet in, in any other game. You, know, you have a pet, and it's like that pet usually fulfills some kind of role. It's like a tanking pet or a DPS pet, which I know the Holy Trinity doesn't exist, uh, but there are, it, it does have things that it does. And so I think it's kind of cool that you have these phantasms that have uh, a, a specific role that do something. Um, and the, the, so the, the condition apply, all that stuff, that stuff is still kind of fuzzy for me. But reading into it, it does look like it's, it's, they're applying some sort of AI here that kind of makes sense. So, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> a lot of it's fuzzy. A lot of it's fuzzy for everybody. A lot of speculation, though, going on, that's for sure. So, uh, All right, next up, we have a new entry on the ArenaNet blog. You guys should always check this for some new info. The devs didn't spend yes. uh, the week off before Christmas slacking off, it seems. So they got more stuff to talk about. So this week we got uh, the achievement system, changes to the Thief class, tweaks to uh, combat mechanics, etc., etc. Let's... Uh, Let's start really quick with the achievement system. Ruby, t- tell me a little bit about the achievement system. I am glad to. I am super excited about this. Um, achievements, there are three different kinds. You have long-term achievements, monthly achievements, and daily achievements. And daily, I mean, the daily achievements to me just sound like the standard dailies that you see. I mean, everybody knows what that is. Um, Monthly achievements, they define as medium-term goals that encourage a variety of play and reward you with gold and XP. And the dailies reward you with gold and XP as well. The long-term achievements are long-term goals with purely cosmetic rewards. All of these, you can complete the achievement tracks and earn titles. And Guild Wars players, we love our titles. So basically, it encompasses everything. It is. And... I actually really like this because you've got the daily, monthly, and long-term, and there is literally something for everybody, no matter how hardcore you are or how often you can play. There is some sort of achievement you can participate in. Yeah, it looks like you're going to have PvE, PvP, www, I just keep saying VW. I want to hit you because you're stuck. Like <laughs> I'm stuck in my VW, VW, VW. Uh, you know, there's even even achievements for non-combat stuff, like trading and things like that. Um, so it really seems like, you know, uh, the completionist out there is going to have a heck of a time. I mean, a lot of things to fill you out know, and finish. That actually kind of concerns me. One example they gave was killing centaurs, like for the number of centaurs you kill. And I worry... Because that almost, I mean, 
I smell kill ten rats. Ooh. And if I get, and you know what I th- am thinking of is in Dungeons and Dragons Online, there is the Slayer reward. I don't know if you two are familiar with that or not, but you're just out there and you're killing stuff as you're like getting your quest objectives, and you get like the little pop up. Oh, you've killed like 23 of 25, and I'm in my head. I'm going, oh, awesome! I got to kill 25 and I get some XP. So I hit 25, and now I'm at 25 of 50. Ah, it just keeps you on the treadmill. It's it never just, ending, it's and never it's frustrating. But in DDO, at least it's instanced. I mean, at least there's an end in sight. Guild Wars 2 can't work like that. Am I going to, like, two years, three years down the road, be at 4,998 <laughs> centaurs killed? And it's just you're trying to get to 5,000. You hit 5,000, it's 5,124. See? Now, if I said that, Charo would have been like, Mike B hates arena net. Oh my god! But I'm glad you said that because that's exact. I was well, reading this. I was like, wait a minute. Just replace achievement with quests. It's kind I'm of gonna... it's kind of what it looks like to me. Daily quests, monthly quests, blah blah blah. Uh, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with it though. I mean, honestly, no, the, there's the, not. The, the whole pho- the whole kill ten rats phobia. It's like then why are you playing an MMO to begin with? It, it's the illusion of, and we've had this conversation several times, uh, of masking it with something to make it feel like you're not just doing it just to kill ten rats some stupid reason. Uh, Sultor has got their thing, which is like all voice. Everything is voice. You feel like you're part of the story. Um, and and, and they still, obviously have their own way of doing it as well. Still kill 10 rats. They're still to kill it 10 is, rats. It is, like, so what? They've, they've masked it. And, and the thing with these is, I guess I guess for the players out there who this kind of annoys, is that you got to realize which ones are the uh, kill 10 rats quests and just kind of avoid them. I mean, I do this in, like, open... Yeah. I do this in open-world console games, right? Like, if you put me in, like, Fallout, I just... I, I, a lot of players would be like, I can't believe you're going to say this, but I kind of I have to ignore the side quests. I just have to play yeah. the, the main quest and just do it. If not, I just will never finish. So it's like, I don't know, you've got to realize which one of the kill 10 rats and maybe just like stay away from them or your completionist. But then, then you wonder if there's even a completion. Like, if, like, See, that's my thing. And I'm a completionist. I'll be the one like weeping in front of my monitor at 10,000 centaurs going, when does it end? <laughs> Uh, what do you think about That'll the, be me crying. What do you think about the titles here? Do you think like um, the, the achievements are going to unlock titles for players? Do you think we'll be able to add these? I mean, we've heard about the, the Hall of Monuments in Guild Wars 2. Actually, tell me about that well, a little bit. A lot of people don't really maybe know what that is. So recap the Hall of Monuments. Okay, well, the Hall of Monuments is currently in Guild Wars 1. And you earn your titles. And, and again, we love titles. I love titles. Um, and what you're doing getting these titles and these points in your Hall of Monuments in Guild Wars 1, this is going to carry over into Guild Wars 2 cool for it? some really cool, all of these cool cosmetic things. Um, the Hall of Monuments, as it stands now, a version of that is actually going to be in Guild Wars 2. And your character can go into the Hall of Monuments, talk to the NPC. I believe it's going to be in your home instance. And you can talk to the NPC and get all these rewards that you earned in Guild Wars 1, and these will be things for your Guild Wars 2 character. So that's that's kind of the foundation of it. And now that we know we're going to have titles, I don't know if, I mean, can you keep updating? We know that after Guild Wars 2 launches, you can still update your Hall of Monuments in Guild Wars 1. If you see somebody running around with this cool item and you want that, you can actually go back to Guild Wars 1, score some titles, and get it in Guild Wars 2. But do you think a lot of people are going to now do that? that we have titles in Guild Wars Two? Can we keep earning in the Hall of Monuments? Who knows? Is it more kills? Is, is this? Go ahead. Is this kind of like that system where, uh, like Team Fortress Two, where you have um, 
a specific hat because you bought another game or something. And so the incentive there is to buy the other game so you could get in items inside of Team Fortress 2. Is it kind of like this? I understand they're not items that you could use. I understand they're, they're titles and it's something in, the, in this hall, uh, whatever. Um, but is that, is, that, is that mechanic of something you've earned in Guild Wars 1 is going to carry over to Guild Wars 2? Yep. There are all sorts of neat things. So that that is... I say this that that's awesome and that is catering to the people that play Guild Wars One. That's not that's not telling anybody that's playing Guild Wars Two to go out and buy Guild Wars One because that's an MMO. It's different than like going in, like having Half Life Two or something and going in there and like shooting something. Oh yeah, you get a hat in Team Fortress Two because uh, that's an MMO where you'd have to actually dedicate tons of time to it if you wanted to go back and retroactively get like some title or something, whatever it is you earn that carries over. Uh, so that good on ArenaNet for basically putting in something that. Has that does not cater to people just walking in on the genre. It, that caters to people that have been with them. For Actually, a while. rewarding the players who have been there mm -hmm. with them already. It's yeah. a loyalty reward, and yeah. I am absolutely all for it. I hope I'm not just saying that because I've earned the rewards. But, <laughs> but you are, good for them. but it, you are, and it's it's making you a long term fan of the brand, right? It's mm -hmm. got, getting mm -hmm. you behind the internet yeah. for the long term. Which, you know, in years down the road, you're going to look at them like people did with Blizzard, right? You look, people look at Blizzard, but you, you became a Blizzard fan, not just a, a Warcraft fan. And I think that that's what that does. It really kind of reinforces the, and rewards the players who've been there. Um, stick, sticking with achievements for one more quick second. Any, any ideas, any speculations of, uh, of what achievement points could be used for Ruby? I want to know so badly. I mean, I'm speculating cosmetic. I almost hope it's purely cosmetic just because I don't want to listen to the screams of people saying it's unfair. But, I mean, some cool clothing, some cool weapon skins, definitely titles. Um, <laughs> titles, titles, titles. That's, I, mean, name titles. I know, I've said titles like 85 yeah. times in 10 minutes. She likes I, titles. I always like strike a chord with titles. It's funny, I don't care about titles in games. Not, it's so weird. I love my titles. I don't know why. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm hoping for some really cool cosmetic rewards. Mm. And gold. Lots of gold. Would they, would, gold. Would, they, would, they, would they go to... Would they go down the, the, the gear route with it? Maybe not. <sighs> I don't like know. Like cosmetic stuff? Well, no, beyond cosmetic. Or like gameplay stuff. Gameplay oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, like, would they go down that know. route? I don't know. I mean, cosmetics seems the obvious. Not. Don't you feel like people would scream bloody murder? Uh, yeah, but it's the internet. People okay. scream anyway. But <laughs> it's more the more. internet, yeah. But sure, yeah, I could see them screaming crazy. All yeah, right. That, that kind of goes too far. Like, go, I mean, going into creating stat-based equipment uh, or gear exactly. is kind of it's kind of going too far. Uh, I mean, kudos to them for doing one thing. Don't go too far and do something else because that, that's that's obviously too much work. It's like to balance all that gear off everything else for the, the minority who did this. That's a like, lot. I expect the Guild Wars 1 player base to be the minority in Guild Wars 2. In other words, if you do the math there, I'm trying to say that. Right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I but, get, you know, and that's pure speculation. They may sure. not give us anything but titles and gold and XP. And, I mean, that's tons right there. Eh, but if there are more rewards, it's great. Sparkle ponies, mounts, you know, gear, mounts. <laughs> Everybody loves mounts. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they gave you a sparkle pony? Would be. I think that would be maybe, awesome in yeah, Guild Wars I, I, 2. Maybe a monocle. <laughs> I'd spend $100 on a monocle. <laughs> All right, next up, changes to the thief uh, on that blog post there. So big changes to stealing. John Peters uh, had this to say about this. He said, initially, we did have each stolen weapon provide more than one skill. 
but as we played with it, we realized that throwing multiple new skills at a player in the middle of a combat situation was overwhelming. So we eventually reduced the number of skills for each stolen item to a single powerful one. Sounds like they were getting uh, into too much of a good thing here. I mean, this, uh, skill sets related to your weapon are, are, are cool, but not if you're, you know, if they're continually switching back and forth in the middle of a battle because you're using a thief's, like, you know, central abilities. I mean, par- part of me goes, like, this sounds awesome. Because, like, especially for the player who understands, is more of, like, say, like a veteran player. Couldn't that be cool? Like, getting these multiple skills? Well, it could, but it could be very the way confusing. If, I mean, the way it works, if you've stolen something, then you're like stuck with that skill set until. What if you want to steal some feathers? I don't know. That's like the common thief example. What if you want to steal some feathers from a moa? And what you would do with that is like blind the moa by throwing it in his, throwing the feathers in his eyes. But now you're stuck. You've got these things in your hands, and you can't go back to your normal skill set. What if you don't want to use the blind skill yet? But you can't do anything else until you ditch the feathers. Hmm. Hmm. It's confusing. Yeah. Obviously why they <laughs> nixed it. Is it really? I mean, a little bit. I mean, either way... Mike, Mike I, looks I, bewildered. Well, I, I mean, if you could... Stealing, stealing a weapon that, that provides you with a specific skill, uh, when you approach a group of people who all have different weapons or whatever... Um, it, it makes you a bit more uh, cognizant of like what you're going to your next step is going to be like okay am I going to do take this because I know what that that particular weapon does or this one or whatever knowing that you're going to be stuck with it or however the mechanic specifically works um, I think that you know them simplifying it it's like okay that kind of makes sense if if somebody had all of their abilities replaced by stuff that they don't understand that might be kind of confusing um, but I mean for the power player or something like I, you could see some pretty amazing stuff like stealing stuff and using those abilities and because you specifically wanted that player, that specific weapon's ability, you can do some pretty cool stuff with that. What he talks about now is... Either like, way, it's cool. So moving on, he, he says, Now, stealing always pockets the item, allowing you to use your regular skills until you decide to press F1 to pull the stolen item out, use it, and return to your regular skills. So, I mean, I guess this seems to make more sense for, for what a thief can actually do, right? It does, and I, to me, it just makes sense. I mean, you steal the thing. There's no good logical reason you should be forced to use it right away. I mean, there's no reason you can't just stick it in your pocket and save that extra little that extra little push for when you need it. So finally, uh, wrapping up, he talks uh, in the blog about combat timing and fine-tuning. Um, he talked about the skill combinations featured in Guild Wars 2. Uh, and the way a player's skills like naturally flowed from one to the next to kind of creating these more, uh, they, I guess how he describes it, powerful skill chains. Uh, but there's just one major hitch. He says, uh, the, pro- uh, the problem was that uh, the animations for these skills had follow-through. That was preventing players from using another skill until the animations were finished. You could stun or chase someone but it was hard to capitalize on it. So, so basically they're telling us they're fine-tuning the skill animations to keep them from actually hindering the gameplay here. So they don't want to slow down the combat and keep it kind of going. Um, Ruby, when you got to play, because you got to play, I forget, a PAX or something like that, did you actually, did you, did you notice a problem with that at all? You know, I may have here and there. 
I was honestly too busy being clumsy with like every class I played to notice too much. But I mean, I know what they're saying as far as like aftercast. There's like that aftercast waiting period, or there's this you know huge long animation, and something else has hit you like five times while you're finishing swinging your hammer over your head. So I'm excited to see that they're fixing that. Fine tuning. Uh, he also said this. This was really interesting. He says. Um, I like to say that Guild Wars 2 controls like an MMO and has abilities like a MOBA. Tools that you can use in diverse ways to adapt to changing situations. But its physical interactions are like an FPS, dodging projectiles, attacking from out of range, etc. We're really happy with the way we're able to blend these three styles of play. Mike. That is a huge. Mike's like having a seizure. Over that, well, that, that's a <laughs> that's a really bold claim. I mean, think I mean, I, he's coming out. You know, works like a, like an MMO, a MOBA, and an FPS. I mean, it sounds like from a combat perspective, that could be amazing. Or it sounds like they don't have direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. It, going back to the to the animation thing real quick. That is such a huge deal that's so hard to express to people and how, and how important it is. It just makes all the difference in the world. Nothing sucks more than cast, sit, having to stand still to cast something, and then even though you've already let something go, while why your hands are coming back down to your side, you have to wait for that to finish before you can move. Uh, that is very frustrating, and that actually happens in a, a lot of games. So it's, that's great. I'm glad they're paying attention to it on that level because that's a huge gameplay flaw. Um, now, as far as the, uh, the, the ultimate perfect combat setup, that's great. I, I love to actually feel it, especially seeing how they're paying attention to the animations and how they lock you out. In some games, they lock you out. It, it sounds to me like they're focusing on flow. So movement, obviously, dodge and all that stuff can come into play. Um, it's 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 very interesting. It's it's obviously it sounds like it's it's very cool. I want to touch it. Kind of want to touch it. Ruby, from your hands-on time, do you feel like that that's accurate? Is that an accurate statement of how they're describing how the game works in combat? It really is. I mean, angels didn't, like, the heavens didn't open and angels didn't sing, <laughs> but it was, and I've said this, I think, on Game Breaker TV before, it was very cool how much you had to keep on what was going on around you and adapt to that. And the fact that you can pick stuff up, I mean, I picked up a rock and got a couple of new, cool new skills where I could chuck that rock at somebody. And I mean, the amount to which you interact with the environment and the amount to which you have to adapt to the flow of battle is more than anything I've played before. Do you guys think that... So I think they're definitely on the right path. What do you guys think? Do you think that the, the, with some of the information that we're getting out at this point, with, with like in this blog post, it sounds almost like the development process, dare I say, is, like, is, is, is obviously really far along that they're fine-tuning to this point. Mm-hmm. Any... any Think we're think we're think we're really getting ready, getting close. I mean, it, this sounds like stuff you do closer towards the end. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, no, it that no, makes sense. Um, also, I mean, the thing is, so when they do like their playtesting and they see that animations are locking people out of movement, so that actually is hindering a certain class's ability to perform in certain situations. Uh, now that we fix this, right? Which you think it sounds like it's something they fix like towards the end of the development cycle. Now this class, mm-hmm. because it has all this newfound movement ability is becoming a bit of a uh, it's becoming a bit imbalanced. Uh, so this is, you know, we see them moving into the the closed beta and all that stuff. This is where that's going to become fixed. But as far as like the uh, the alpha and the pre everything phase, 
Um, yeah, this is this sounds pretty far along. They're like, let me tighten up this animation a little bit, and then we're good. That sounds pretty far along to me. It sounds pretty far along. Speculation, speculation. All right, finally this week, let's talk about beta, 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 beta talk. We talked about it last week, and they announced that they were going to like open the, 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 the closed beta on Friday. Uh, everyone on the internet was buzzing about it across the forums and that kind of stuff. So now that the weekend has come and gone, people are actually starting to talk about on the forums and speculate what a closed beta actually means for Guild Wars 2. Like, what is it? What, what does it mean? Ruby, you actually got the... You talked about this on your Massively column. What, what, what do you think? What, do you, what, what is this... What is this beta? I actually ranted about this a little bit. And now that... Now that I know... I mean, I didn't get in. And there's, like, been this hilarious speculation floating around here and there that I got in and I'm just not saying. I seriously... I pouted all weekend, you guys, okay? I really, really did not get in. <laughs> so I can say this without sounding like I'm applying for the beta. Um, I honestly just got to thinking because I've been so stressed out over this. And I was like, man, i got to get in. i got to get... I really want to get into the beta on this. And after I didn't get in, I started thinking. I was like, do you really want to help test this game? Or do you just want to play Guild Wars 2? And it's... I didn't really know what the answer was to that. Uh, it, it makes sense not to put people like you in right away because they want to present you with a product that is at, that is at least closer to finish than where it's at now. They're not going to bring you in. You could get in like, wow, this doesn't work anything like I, I expected it to. This game sucks. Oh, I hate Guild Wars 2. Uh, I'm going to rant about it. No, they don't want Okay, to. but see, now here, that's the thing right there, and that is what I got to thinking about this, and it absolutely drove me crazy. Um I think developers and players both, I can't even put it on any one person, they have turned closed beta into something it did not used to be, which is a demo, early access. People treat closed beta like early access now. And it's as much on the devs as it is the players because they're like, hey, here's, here's 100,000 beta keys. Come on in and play our game. But what happens then is that the game doesn't get tested the way it should because people come in and play and I actually saw this in another game that massively gave out beta keys for recently. Closed beta, we had closed beta keys, people got in and then they came back to the site and started leaving comments saying this game is broken, this game sucks, I uninstalled, do not waste your time with this game. Right. And it's 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 in beta. Like you're there it's to help them beta. you're help what? you're there to help them fix fix this. But that's 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 the problem with these things is that, you know, once you open it up like that, like Mike just said, they have to be really you know, yeah. safe and, and kind of keep the, the keep it inside of a box for a while and not really let all these people in that are going to go out on the internet and just say this game sucks when basically what they're doing is they're trying to find problems to fix them. It's exactly. And that's why now we're so confused by them. I mean, people were just baffled when ArenaNet said, this is closed beta. We will be, you know, don't call us, we'll call you, is what they said. And after I thought of this, I thought this over over the weekend, that's what a closed beta is supposed to be. But we, I think we have forgotten that as gamers as a whole and what they've done is just gone back to the core meaning of closed beta what it was ages ago i was gonna say like i don't think that they should leave that responsibility on gamers though like you know you just give me a key i'm a gamer i'm not a tester i'm not a professional (laughs) beta tester you're giving me a key i'm playing a game that's all i'm doing and that's it i'm just gonna tell my friends this game sucks or this game's amazing that's it so yeah i mean the you know it's this balance where the devs want to get the word out and get positive feedback and start getting people on the forums and stuff chatting and and, you know early on going like oh my god this game's gonna be great this game's gonna be great this game's gonna be great but then they have the flip side where if they do it too early and they have too many problems they get people going this game sucks this game sucks it sucks so it's like they gotta build they're building the hype machine but 
Yeah, but I don't think that's that's not the people, that's not the group that I don't think ArenaNet wants in there. They want people that are going to come in and try to break their game. But why Pretty don't, much. But, but they, they should probably put a small team together of uh, maybe maybe from the players' community, but maybe make them sort of like professional beta testers for Guild Wars 2 and say, you know, this number of people, and they go through some sort of interview process rather than just handing them a key and clicking on an NDA that nobody reads or cares about. Maybe they actually put right. them through a little <laughs> bit more of a process to like weed out people who are actually going to fill out bug reports and actually be good beta testers. Maybe that exactly. It's, that, that's I mean, you know, I mean, was the obvious reasons like that. That's difficult to pull off, right? Because they're they're going to get in and be like, wow, man, when I hit level thirty-seven in such such a game, this thing happened. Boy, this game sucks. It's like, damn. It's like, really. <laughs> We we couldn't we couldn't have possibly have caught that. It's uh, this mm-hmm. strength in numbers. You know they put out a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of keys, and they get a bunch of people in. You know friends of beta now, or friends of family now, and then uh, close beta for media and all of that. Um, yeah, they trickle it out to the point to where they actually catch all these bugs. But then once you let the masses in, everybody's doing something different. You know, I, I told you like last week, the week before, it's like I was in Sotor beta, like trying to hack walls. I was like just j- jumping on walls, like I can make it up this hill, I can make it up this hill, you know. And then I ended up getting like totally stuck. I couldn't even. My character was done. I deleted the character, you know. But it was. But people like me exist out there. We're trying right. to push the boundaries. That's why you so. have beta tests. Yep. Get get people like you in. Mm-hmm. What I'm That's saying is, you is. just gotta weed out the other people who are just gonna get on the internet forums and you know just spew everything that they learned or hate or love, whatever. All right, let's do right. some viewer questions. First up, throw this one to uh, Ruby, Thomas Goldrick. Says, uh, why did Arena Net get rid of the dual class system? That is what defined Guild Wars. What? I don't think that's what defined Guild Wars. I, I think a lot of things defined Guild Wars. Titles bad. defined Guild Wars, obviously. Titles, oh, yes. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, it was title wars. Okay, Everybody but even, it even if it didn't <laughs> no, define but... Guild Wars, why, why, did, why did they get rid of the dual class system? Is it just too complicated? Well, I don't think it was complicated at all. I think... Balance? The way the dual class system worked in Guild Wars 1, that's inherent in what they've done here. It's not everybody can do everything, but the dual class system gave you the versatility that you otherwise would not have had. And you've got that versatility in a bigger and better way in Guild Wars 2. The dual class system just isn't needed in Guild Wars 2 the way it's done. I wonder if it's a big balancing issue, though, as well. I would think that like, the way that they did it from 1 to 2, 2 sounds like it might be a balancing nightmare to have the dual oh class gosh. system. Well, balancing in Guild Wars 1, we could do a whole show about that. But, but we won't. <laughs> no. Uh, so that's why. Mike, I'd ask you uh, to answer on that question, but you probably have no idea what the dual class system is, so I will move on. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for just assuming. God. Uh, Alexander. I don't know. I like saying uh, That's how it's spelled. There you go. Uh, it says, how do you think the Mesmer will play with other professions? What do you think he really means here? I'm not even sure I understand the question. Like well, how they work in a group? In a, in a, yeah, in a group. I mean, how to play with other prof- – I hope that's what they're talking about. I, I, you don't want to ask, do you think it's going to be balanced against other other class, other professions? It's like, well, that question we really can't answer here on this show. Uh, but how do we speculate that the Mesmer plays with other professions? Any class that has the amount of control uh, and, and supportability that we just saw in, in the demonstration trailer there. Uh, don't that's, call them a support class. God, sorry. What? What? Don't call him a support class. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. There's no Trinity, Mike. I don't know if you've heard. There's, There's no a... Holy Trinity. They do everybody does everything. <laughs> wait, in this wait, wait, game. wait. No, no. Support class isn't part of the Trinity. It's. I, I didn't say it was healing. I'm saying supports. It's different. Um, this is fun. Any, anybody that can that can have a large effect on multiple people, 
right? Which we see this happening here. You know, they they have the, the ability to port, ability to to confuse carry, uh, other players. You know, th that's that's always going to be a key element of any uh, party that you run out with to do like PvP or whatever. They're always going to play a, a key role there. What do you think, uh, Rudy? Rudy? I think. Well, I worry that we're going to see that contingent of people that are playing with other players who haven't quite learned to make the most of the Mesmer. And I worry that we're going to have that contingent of people that say, I don't want to play with Mesmers. Mesmers suck. They don't do any good. Um, but as a rule, I think it's going to be as effective. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking of cross-profession combos. And as far as that goes, I think it's going to be just as effective. I think it's going to be just as useful. But you think people are going to be so bad at playing it that it's going to give them a bad name? <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's not even that complicated. It's just that it's a class. I, I don't think it's like this unplayably complicated class, but I think it's not like the elementalist where you're just going to go in there and, okay, I've got fireballs. I throw fireballs and that's my job. I think you have to think a little harder with the mesmer. Might be but cool. I think it's going mm. to be extremely effective in group play. All right, last question this week from uh, Andrea. Andrea looks like her name. Angelic, my favorite. I actually think that's Angelic Andrea. She's in my Guild Wars guild. Oh, really? Yeah. How funny would that be? Got Hi, that off on Andrea. Facebook, too. Didn't even get into it. Great question, though. Will we see <laughs> knee armor in Guild Wars 2? Not really sure. Man, I hope so. The towns will be stuffed with useless NPCs otherwise. More... <laughs> Knee armor. You gotta gotta cover those knees, man. It's arrows <laughs> just everywhere, just everywhere. The arrows. Every. I love that tattoo. Where? By the way, that's so awesome. It's Gary, is that awesome. your knee? That is my knee. I thought so. Everybody thinks it's your knee. I love that. Ruby Bear, you can follow her on the Twitter at Ruby. That's at R U B I with an underscore. Don't forget the underscore. R U B I with the it's underscore. And of course, go over to massively.com and just read everything there. That's it. Just read. Yes, everything. definitely. Everything. Mike, Especially my stuff. Uh, Mike B, a.k.a. Phony. Follow him on Twitter at a.k.a. Mike B. Go over to Zam.com. Watch to be a FF report. Legendary, all that other stuff. Waterboy for at Darnell's up. Whatever else you can do. Trying to get Thanks. a side job. Go put out that Thank you for having me this week. Go put out that fireball in uh, San Francisco. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Filling in. Last minute, Sean had to run. Baby stuff. Thank you, Mike. Baby stuff. Mike filling in in the clutch. Happy holidays. Oh, all you haters, what's up? Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> this is our last show. It's going to be Christmas. Happy, happy, happy holidays. Yay. Have a great, great, great Christmas and all that good stuff. Drink stuff. Stay safe. Have some turkey, ham, whatever you do. Tofurkey. If you Ew. <laughs> Why even bother? I don't know. we got some vegetarians out there, but... Have, oh, a, okay, have a great one. You follow right. me. Follow me on Twitter at Gary Gannon, and of course you can follow Gamebreaker TV on the Twitter at Gamebreaker TV. Come on over and uh, check it out. A lot of things happening in 2012. New website coming to Gamebreaker TV. Can't wait for that in the works. Hopefully in January. Hopefully a lot of other stuff. And uh, we do the show live every single Thursday, 6 PSD. So come on over and check out uh, the schedule, Gamebreaker TV slash live for all the other shows. Guys, have a great, great, great Christmas holiday season. Not just the chat. Merry Christmas. I'm talking to you, Ruby. I'm and talking to you, Mike. And chat room. Oh, me. Oh, okay. And chat room. And then. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Chat room, you guys are awesome. See you all next week. Bye, guys.